Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight's class is titled, Who Are You? It's good to be back. This is part two in chapter 29. Before we start talking about who you are, which, by the way, hopefully you know yourself better than I do, I, but uh, before we talk about who each one of us is, I want to visit for a moment last week's Parsha. Last week's Torah portion was called The, por- the Portion of Re'e, to see. And I just heard this amazing, I, actually I, I was blessed to learn these, this amazing insight, very connected to what we learned previously about challenges and suffering and, and what we see as negativity. Um, and, and I was sure that it was something you would appreciate. The Torah portion starts off, See, look, God, Moses, Moses is talking, Moses is talking, but he's talking on behalf of God. And he says, see, today I am giving you blessing and klala. Does anyone know what the word klala means? Well, in our terminology, it's generally translated as a curse. So Moshe says in the name of God, look, today I'm giving you blessings and curses. If you do good, blessings. If you do the opposite of good, curses. Simple translation. Now, interesting to note, there is something called Targum. Have you heard the word Targum before? Targum is Aramaic and it means translation. Targum, there's Targum Unkelis, the Targum that was written by a convert named Unkelis. And then there's a Targum that was written by someone named Yonason ben Uziel, Yonason the son of Uziel. The Talmud guy? Talmud Ozil? No, no. Different Ozil. Different Ozil. Important difference for our conversation, good evening, is that Targum Unkelis was written in Aramaic. Babylonia. They're both written in Aramaic, but Targum Unkelis was written in Babylonia. And Targum Yonas and Ben Ozil was written in Eretz Israel. Any questions so far? So let's repeat this back. There's two types of translators. They're both in Aramaic, but two people translated. You have the Targum Unclus, which was written in Babylonia, and the Targum Yonas and Benazil, which was written in Israel. Isn't the Unclus one authoritative? Now let's look at the way they translate this word, Klala. Targum Unclus, the Babylonian, he translates the word Klala as Levatin. Simple, curses. Targum Unclus understood that Moshe is telling the Jews, Look, today I am giving you blessings and curses. Targum Yonasan Ben Uziel says, No, no, no. He says, What is the translation of Kalala? This is amazing. He says, Birchasa Vechilufa. He translates it that Moshe is telling the Jewish people, Today I am giving you blessings and an exchange for a blessing. What do you call it? It's slipping my mind. What's the word you say? Like if you don't have a substitute. So Targum Yonas and Ben Uziel says there is blessings and then he says the chiluf and then there's a substitute for a blessing. Now generally when you have a teacher in a classroom and you bring in another teacher generally they're both going to be good, right? Hopefully one is not a blessing the other one is a curse. Hopefully that's not what's happening. So let's rephrase what's happening. Targum Unkelis from Bavel is telling us that Moshe is giving the Jewish people blessings and curses. 
Targum Yonis and Benaziel from Israel is telling us that Moshe is giving the Jewish people blessings and a substitute for blessings. So, <laughs> if you say, we know that the word means a curse. We know Moshe was giving the Jewish people blessings and curses. So how can this Israeli man this, translate the word curse to mean a substitute for a blessing? But based upon what we've learned previously in Tanya in the previous chapters, and that's why I brought it in, it's perfect. You remember we learned how the greatest energy from Hashem is within concealed good? When something is revealed, that itself is a limitation. But the concealed energy of Hashem, that is even greater. So that is what Targum Yonas and Ben Ozeel is saying. He's saying there's blessing and then there's a substitute. It's something even greater than a blessing. And I wanted to share a little insight. And that's why I kept saying the Israeli and the Babylonian. Well, how come the man from Bavel, he translated it as curses, and the man from Israel, he translated it as a substitute for blessing? And the answer is, because we know in Israel, the Jewish people had a, had a deeper understanding. In Babylonia, unfortunately, because of all the trials and tribulations, it was a very basic understanding. So the, trans the translator in Babylonia, he translated it simply. There's blessings and curses. However, the, the man who translated it in Israel, he had a deeper understanding and was able to understand that there's blessings and then there are curses which are a substitute for blessing. Okay, I did want to share that, that fascinating insight. If you did not follow along, no problem. That was <laughs> a, a different subject. I'd like to start off our, our topic tonight about who are you with a story. I was going to summarize it in my own words, but when I reread it a second time, I'm like, I can't substitute for the way it was written. So allow me to read it. The synagogue was packed to the rafters. The whole town had gathered as one for the annual Simchat Torah celebration. Only moments to go and the stirring, stirring sounds of the ancient prayer would ring forth throughout the synagogue. So Atahareisa is a prayer you say right before you dance with the Torah and Simchat Torah. People looked at each other, each other in nervous anticipation. Who would be chosen to lead this prayer? Who's going to be the lucky one? So years before, Reb Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev had won worldwide fame as a rabbi of Berdichev. But we're now we're talking before he was known as this great man, and before he was widely respected. Nonetheless, he was treasured for even as a young man, he was treasured for his dedication to others and his commitment to godliness. Unfortunately, one of the only people not fully enamored of the youthful prodigy was. Take a guess. Who's going to give a, a young man an issue? His own father-in-law. His own father-in-law really was, had something against his son-in-law. Undeterred by convention and determined to follow his own path in Judaism, Levi Yitzchak had only just returned to town after months spent exploring the new, newly revealed Hasidic movement. His father-in-law was livid. He mistrusted these revolutionary ideas and newfangled methods of serving God and worried about his son-in-law's prospects. Was this the end of his hopes for his beloved daughter? The other townsfolk were more forgiving of Levi Yitzchak's energy 
as proof of their regard, they selected him to recite the Ataharesa prayer, leading off the Simchat Torah service. So they thought they were going to honor him with this special prayer. Levi Yitzchak approached the central podium in a state of ecstasy and picked up the talit in preparation for the ritual. However, to the bemusement of the assembled crowd, he paused for a moment of contemplation and then placed the talit back, talis back in its place. After a short while, he again picked up the prayer shawl, only to once again replace it on the lectern. When he picked up the talit for the third time, an uneasy murmur filled the synagogue. The young rabbi seemed to be fighting a silent battle with an unseen opponent. Finally, in a dramatic announcement, Levi Yitzchak places the talis firmly back in its place and announces, If you're a chassid and a scholar, then you lead the prayers. And stalked back to his seat near the side wall of the synagogue. And now his, his father-in-law is sure that he's gone crazy. His father-in-law was mortified. Bad enough that the young man insisted on adopting the Hasidic lifestyle with its attendant new customs, but did he, did he have to disgrace himself in public? Well, everyone else is a little more accepting, and they go and they ask for a justification of his unusual behavior. And Levi Yitzchak explains that as he had approached the podium, listen to this story, it's unbelievable. He's approaching the podium, podium he, he... Basha, did you read this story before? <laughs> I know, I asked because this is like an incredible, I, I was sure. It's, did, did anyone hear this story before? It's, I know. It's Levi Yitzchak explains that as he had approached the podium, he had suddenly realized he was not alone. His evil inclination, the Yetzir Hara, wished to accompany him up to the podium. You don't belong here, he challenged the tempter. I have been selected to, I have, I'm not like in haughtiness, but he says, I've been selected to represent the community because I'm a scholar. Turning to his evil inclination, he says, What legitimacy do you have? If you're a scholar, I'm a scholar too. The evil one replied, Wherever you studied, whichever yeshiva you attended, I was there right with you. But I'm a chassid, Levi Yitzchak counterclaimed. I have just returned from the Rebbe's court, where I learned to, play, to pray as a Jew, should, and devote myself to godliness. I too am a chassid, replied the evil inclination. When you traveled to the Rebbe, I accompanied you. When you were initiating the ways of faith, I came along for the ride. I have every right to join you in prayer tonight and keep you company under that talit. I could not win, Levi Yitzchak confessed. He was right. I admitted to myself I had been living a lie. He and I were partners in crime. The ties that bound me to evil were as strong as they were when I first began my journey of faith. I was almost ready to concede in despair when I was seized by one last inspiration. With my remaining strength, I, turn on, I turned on my tormentor and cried, If you are a chassid and a scholar as you claim, if you, the evil inclination, are a chassid and scholar as you claim, then you lead the prayers and leave me out of your foil plots. And I ran from the stage. That's the story. I've heard the story many times. It happens to me when I Google the story. To, I, I found someone who had... A, he had a fascinating insight on what the story means. And I'll let, I'll let you all, you know, come up with your own understanding. But I thought that that's a beautiful introduction to tonight's class on, you know, who are you? And, and we will address that question, but let me preface where we're holding now in chapter 29. Previously we learned that at times a person's heart can be clogged. What does it mean that your heart is clogged? 
two primary things will happen if your heart is clocked. Number one is you don't have energy for prayer because prayer is an, emotional, is an emotional service and you lose that energy. And second of all, if your heart is clogged, you're going to do the bare minimum of what it means to be a Bainani, to be this middleman. But you're not going to be able to go ahead and do beyond what's necessary. You've lost your drive. What can you do if your heart is clogged and you've lost your drive? So we gave the analogy of cutting wood. We said when you have a piece of wood that you put in a fire, how do you go ahead and get the fire to catch on greater, you don't go ahead and put more fire, you have to splinter the wood, you have to break the wood apart. So too, and we discussed this previously, you have to break yourself. If someone's heart is clogged, you actually have to go ahead and break it. What's the analogy, what's the, what's the similarity between a human and a tree? We all know the famous verse, Ki ha'adam man is a tree of the field. So we can learn from how we have to react, how we have to work with the tree, that when you want to go ahead and have the fire, which now our conversation is a soul, catch on to the wood, you have to go ahead and splinter the wood. Similarly, when you want the fire of your soul, when you want the, want the energy of, the God, of godliness to inspire and really connect with you, you need to splinter, go ahead and break your heart. Not physically, but uh, as we'll learn soon exactly what that means. And that's directly from the Zohar. That is directly from the Zohar. Thank you for, for that. Yes. So now, In order for us to really understand what it means to splinter yourself, we need to understand who are, who are you? Who am I? I just thought it's better if, if in the title I write who are you rather than who am I. So, but it's about each one of us, who are we? And I'd like to open this up. I'd like to have a short conversation. Well, who, who are you? Exactly. Sorry. Let, be, to be very clear, you have two souls within you. Who are? Which one of those two souls is the primary soul within within you? Well, I was hoping it's the good one, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling it's both. <laughs> well, if we're a we're in the middle, and we're. So I think to rephrase the question, the question is in your natural if, in your natural state of being. A Bainani. Who is the... Who's running the show? Who's running the show? <laughs> what do you think? I think it depends on the situation. I can't... I think uh, I'm not necessarily a Bainani when I'm doing my job. You're not a Bainani when you're doing your job. I used to be, but no more. Or I can't say that so easily, so flippantly. But you know, I'm around too many people who lie and change facts. So I have to. I've changed. I can tell. I'm more suspicious of people. You know. I, 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 I think. I, I think. I'm listening right now. I have no no right or wrong. Svi, while you're talking, I want to get a sitter, which will address some of these issues. But go ahead, please. Well, I, I feel like an activist. Yes, I'm talking about dealing with this. So it's your animal soul coming out then. Okay. Yeah, you don't mind. I want to say though, I, I appreciate the honesty. I think it's a great, a great perspective that you know you feel over time. You know you've 
you've been affected by your surroundings. Thank you. And I feel, I feel not only myself, but I think everybody is primarily their godly self and that most people inherently are good and good people occasionally do bad things. I think very few people are inherently evil. Sadi, thank you. I, I actually need to clarify something very important. Everyone's essence, a Jew's essence, is a godly soul. That is not my question what your essence is. There is no question the essence of a Jew is his godly soul. The question we're having here is... Um, I wrote this down because actually I, this was a very important point. Who are you? Well, here. The essence of every Jew is his godly soul. Here we are discussing what the person feels is his reality. So a, a Benini, of course, his essence is a godly soul. That is why we... The question is, what does the Benini feel? Is it, what does he feel is his primary soul, so to say? It's a matter of, of, of confidence and self-image. Self I would hope that all the people I love have a strong self-image and they're not acting out of um, fear of their animalistic soul, that, that they're truly happy, that they're content, and they're performing acts of love and kindness because they want to, not because they have to, to make up for something. Savi so is optimistic. I like that. He's right. saying, I want everyone to be able to see the world and themselves in a very forward-thinking, positive. positive light. Thank you, Savi. <coughs> Yishai. I, some, you always got to call the guy in the back to make sure everyone's listening. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, like, is the focus, the focus is just on the good and evil aspect, or is it on the the question determination of people to like you know accomplish great things or I mean that's part of it too, right? The specific question we're asking is yeah. when the Bainani wakes up in the morning, what does he feel is which of the two souls does he feel is 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 who he is? Bring him, uh, seize the day. <laughs> and, uh, I, don't think it's about doing good I mean, it's like, I mean, if most people are basically good, they don't have to struggle with doing what's right. No, so Yishai, let me, let, me, let me add a point. Maybe it will help us. When the Benini wakes up, is he fighting to get out of bed? That would be the animalistic soul is winning. Or does he jump out of bed? Now, don't take that, as an ex that, take that as an example. Throughout the day, as things are happening, <clears throat> is he fighting with himself? Is there a fight to do things? Or, or he's naturally doing whatever God wants without any inner fight? I think I liked her answer earlier about it probably intuition. Fair answer. It's probably a struggle. <clears throat> to do the right thing all the time. I mean, we're supposed to get up. Now you're supposed to think nothing. You say, you're more shiny. Right. Sometimes my brain starts going, I'm not ready. Woo! Or I think I'm like, no, no, what are you, But, so it's a struggle. Right. To uh, do the right thing when we're 
have to practice. I very much appreciate what everyone's saying that we're here, I think we're hearing one main point that everyone's, that many people are agreeing to is that it depends on the situation. Um, there is a constant battle within everyone. But as a Bainani, we're going we're gonna to learn that the primary soul, naturally, unfortunately, is the animalistic soul. <laughs> That's what we learn. We learn the animalistic soul comes to you first. The moment the child is born, the animalistic soul comes. The godly soul comes for a boy by his wrist. For a girl, we learn when she's named. That is why it is very important. There's a lot of different customs when to name a baby girl. But it, it is our, the Chabad custom, to name the baby girl at the earliest Torah reading possible. Because we know that a person's energy comes through his name. And we'll learn more about that in Tanya. Um, so the animalistic soul comes as a baby comes into this world. The godly soul comes later. The animalistic soul is a natural person. What I'd like though for a moment is, uh, can I ask someone a favor to bring something to the table? Is anyone willing? I need some sidorim. Yisha, do you mind bringing? Could you bring eight sidorim and we'll share? And I'd like everyone to turn to page five. If you could share in a group of two, it's a little bit of a, of a mission. The mission is, in the first page of prayer that we say every day, the same page that says the Moda'ani. Again, let, let me wait a moment actually for everyone to turn to page five. You can use this one. So on page five, uh, with your permission, I'd like to put on the timer for two minutes and see, can anyone find me a line within this first, very first page of prayer that proves that the animalistic soul is, in a sense, the secondary soul within the Bainini? Again, the question is... Right here, your faithfulness is great. You know what I'm going to ask? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, I'll give one minute. I'll give one minute, but I'm going to ask for everyone at the end of the minute, we're going to, we'll, we'll re regroup. But one moment, let me, the question again. In the Bainani, the primary soul, who he is, is his animalistic soul. The godly soul is in addition to the Bainani. Find me a source for this idea on page five of the sitter. Does the question make sense, Pasha? Yeah? David, clear with the question? Okay, mm -hmm. one minute, please.
Okay, sorry. So, could anyone help me here? And I know, I'll just go to, I know Sandra started, so if you could share. Well, I say this regularly, not for any point, except to say I, it feels like the first, I'm always amazed how faithful Hashem is in me. And that everything else reinforces it because, you know, I'm flesh and I've got all these orifices and cavities and I, I'm very animalistic and it just amazes me. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm fully with you. <laughs> you scared me off. I ran away. No, no. I'll just keep talking. You don't know. I'm, fu I'm fully listening. Okay. Um, but it amazes me how Hashem's always hoping I'll do better every day. It's amazing to me. I just, it astounds me. I agree. You know? And so it reminds me that I'm not, uh, that my godly soul is not in control. So, but, but that's, so tell me, I agree with your point that God has a tremendous amount of trust and faith in us, but how does that prove that the godly soul is secondary within the Bainani? Because otherwise, why would it be phrased to focus on um, how merciful he is? It wouldn't make sense. Okay. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Please, Linda. It says you have mercifully restored my soul within me. Yeah. I wake up in my animal body and you put my godly soul back in me when I wake up. Are you saying he breathed the animal soul into us? No. You have breathed it into me. You have mercifully restored my soul within me. Right. That's my godly soul. God Okay, well. So did he breathed in our animal soul? No, our godly soul. He said we get our godly soul oh, later we when both. we do other things. I uh, I'm trying to understand the soul is very difficult. No, I really appreciate all these questions. They're, they're good questions. I want to say, I, I was not prepared for all of these questions. <laughs> They are very, very good questions. Though I'm still looking for one more answer. Linda, I want to tell you something. You, you, you brought up something within me that it, it's an amazing item. I, I'm going to get back to it momentarily. But are there any other thoughts on yeah, this page? Yes, please. I, don't know, I remember learning in school, it was like, okay, like we have our supports to wash our hands. It removes like some sort of ungodly stuff. So maybe that's part of the animalistic thing. So maybe it's after we wash our hands. That's very Interesting. Okay. That's a, that's a good point also, that we wash to remove the impurity from our bodies when we wake up. Um, that's, a very, that's a very good point. Please. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take David and then I want to try and put some things in perspective and maybe try and answer the question. I, I think I may have gotten myself in more hot water. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if I leave. I hope I'm not reading in, but I have a tendency to do that. And when it doesn't come out right, um, I uh, blame my animal soul. <laughs> In any case, um, 
First, you're partially dead. And being partially dead, uh, it is a, uh, you are profaned. Uh, you are unclean. By washing your hands, you separate yourself from your asleep nature. Yes. Number one. Point number two. The critical term, as I see it, which requires definition insofar as um, Chabad, as Lubavitch is concerned, is the definition of the word soul. What are we talking about? Are we talking the godly soul or the animal soul? It doesn't say. So we need to define it in our own minds and whatever canon says. And the fact of the matter is that the godly soul is the province of God. Therefore, it is the godly soul that is restored. And only God can restore the godly soul. We have the animal soul anyway. Now tell me what the, what the soul means in this case. <laughs> well, you just said that when we're born, we're born with the animal soul. So that would be with our first breath. Is that the breath he breathed into us with our animals? You were saying that. So well, there's another point. In the, stages, in the stages of life that a Jew goes through, it's obvious you can't hold a baby responsible for the obligations of the godly soul. So Judaism says you will acquire those as you get older, and that must be passed on to you. And when you are full-blown in your intellect, if not in your physical nature, you are able to comprehend what your godly soul is and to fulfill the obligations of arriving at that conclusion. So it's not surprising that a godly soul isn't given to a baby. It serves no purpose in a baby. That's a good explanation. Thank you. Although we try to give it to the girl as soon as possible. Well, it, it's interesting, you know, people who say that, that women aren't treated well in Judaism. Well, look who's primarily responsible for, uh, through the home and through the children, of conveying a great deal of the religious knowledge and appreciation of Hashem. I don't think you really want to go there. If I can, I'm going to try to, <laughs> in a proper order, answer the questions and bring us back. If I get out of order, you, no, feel free to bring me back. But I want to first start off with uh, Sharon's question. Sharon asked a good question. She said, I'm contradicting myself. True. On the one hand, first the animalistic soul comes into a person. However, we say when Adam was made, God blew into his nostrils immediately. Is that a reference to the animalistic soul? Is, did I repeat the question correctly? Is, is, did I say the question correctly? Uh, well, it's a little confusing, but I guess you did. <laughs> so, so let me try. I, I want to try and, and put, this, put this in perspective. When Hashem created Adam HaRishon before the sin of the eating from the tree of knowledge, there was no animalistic soul. There was only a godly soul. So God blew into Adam a godly soul. He was born an adult, wasn't he? Was he but but, but re regardless, the moment he was born, he was born. Okay. Let me tell you something. Adam was born at age 20. He died at, at age 970. Uh -huh. But the 20 years of... 
He was born at age zero, right? But he was born like a 20-year-old man. Let, let, me say, let me say this again. He was born at... He, he was one day old at one point. He was two days old. But at that moment he was born, he, had the, he, he appeared like a 20-year-old today. You knew he was blessed because he didn't have to go through adolescence. So, but back to your point, the moment he was born, he had a godly soul. Even at day one, or even at day a sec, he was pure. So when the Torah teaches us that God blew into his nostrils, that's a reference to the godly soul. That is not a contradiction to the fact that at the moment a child is born, today, after the sin of eating from the tree of knowledge, the first thing to enter that child is an animalistic soul. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think we still have that. I think the still breathes into us both parts of the soul. It's just that we have to get the potential. We have the poten it has the potential to be able to get the godly soul later. So we don't have it. It's just it's where the potential goes later. Yes, the potential is there for later. But however, the reference of blowing into us is a reference for, purely for the godly soul. And that was, I'm, I'm being careful here because we discussed that more in chapter 2 when we talked about the essence of the soul, that blowing into the person, that reference, is specific to the godly soul. Now, why did Linda throw me off? Let me share with you why. Because I was hoping everyone would look at the end of page 5, the last paragraph, where it says, My God, Elokai, my God. You have, you have a sitter, Yishai? Nishama Shenasata be the soul which you have given within me, Tahorahi is pure. Again, my God, the soul which you have given within me is pure. So I was hoping this would be the proof, where it says clearly, the soul you have given within me. The problem was, I didn't realize in the context we see a similar thing that was mentioned by Linda earlier on. I offer thanks to you for mercifully restoring my soul within me. So basically we have the similar terminology. We're, we're saying, thank you God for restoring the soul within me. One of them is a proof that the godly soul is in a sense secondary and one of them is not. And that's what I wasn't prepared to answer tonight. But as the question was asked, I believe, I believe we, could, we could clarify. The, we could clarify. And, and this is, I think, a very important idea. Modani, do you know the Rebbe, he wrote a massive, he actually said, and, and later it was printed as a massive treatise on the words Modani. The depth of these two and a half lines, Modani. However, within the Modani, yes, we say, thank you God for returning my soul, but... Linda, the question is, maybe this is talking about the animalistic soul. And let me share with you why. One piece of Tanya previously may help us understand why I would say the Modani is referring to the animalistic soul. Do you remember we said that the, the soul within the blood of the person is the animalistic soul? We've learned previously this, the soul is within the blood of a person. We learned about the heat. It takes us back a little bit. But the soul within the blood of a person is specifically his animalistic soul. The godly soul is within the left ventricle. So when we say in the Modani, thank you God for returning my soul to me, we are thanking God for literally returning my both godly and animalistic soul to me. However, 
later on. In the last paragraph on page 5, we say, Elokai, my God, Nishama, the soul that you put within me is Tahora, is pure, that is clearly a reference to the godly soul. And at this moment, and I, I'm not going to bore you, but I'll share with you, because as everyone was talking, there is a, there's a note, ah, sorry about that, There is a note in, in this uh, Tanya. This is an incredible, incredible Tanya. Um, it's called Chasidus Mivu'eres. It's a tremendous, um, quite a long series, really elucidating the Tanya. And as, uh, up until today, as of current, they haven't put something like this in English yet. There are, there are amazing books on Tanya. There's a note 40. And the note 40 here, this is exactly what it addresses. The point of note 40 is to say that in this, in this paragraph, Elokai Nishama, the, the, the animalistic soul is talking. And the animalistic soul is thanking God for, the, for bringing to him the godly soul. So let me put this back in perspective. When we go ahead and we say every morning, my God, the soul which you have put within me, together with me, with the animalistic soul, you have given me a godly soul. Thank you, God. This shares with us, this emphasizes, this clarifies that the Bainani, who is the Bainani? The Bainani is the animalistic soul. And this is a very important point. And we're going to see this all in Tanya. If you don't understand what I'm saying, again, don't worry about it. We'll read it in Tanya in a moment. But the point is that every moment of Benini is naturally, his natural course of things, the way he feels is that his animalistic soul is who he is. And he has to constantly, the godly soul has to constantly fight against it. Let's see that inside. We're on page 126, in the middle of chapter 29. We are in the left-hand column. We are two, four, eight lines from the bottom. Again, page 126, left-hand column, eight lines from the bottom. Do you see where it says, this is the Sitra Achara? Mm -hmm. Sharon, could you help Linda, please? I just want to make sure Linda... Okay. She read it in the car before. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that's amazing. Keep, I hope, yeah, I'm happy you did that. I was trying to catch up. That's good, that's good. This is the Sitra Achara, which is the very man himself in Bainanim intermediaries. Within a Bainani. Who is the Bainani? He is the animalistic soul in whose heart the vital soul, <clears throat> which animates the body, is its native strength. And that's a good word, actually, native. Who is like the, who is the native within the person? Who is the natural person? That is the animalistic soul. Hence, it is the very man himself. Whereas, with re regard to the divine soul within him, it is said, this is what we just saw, the soul which you have given within me is pure. I am the animalistic soul, and you have put within me the godly soul. Note the words which you have given within me, implying that man himself is not identified with the pure soul. 
So this is not a contradiction to anything anyone said. Of course Tzvi is right. We want to be positive. And we hope everyone will have a positive outlook. And positive outlook could come from the animalistic soul, by the way. You, you could have an animalistic soul and be a great person. From the wording, we can understand that there is a difference between me and the soul. Yes, exactly. That from this passage we quoted previously, we see that there is the, the person is the animalistic soul and his godly soul is accompanying. This does not mean at all that it's not going to put us in bad shape. It's not going to, as we're going to learn with him, chapter 29, we needed to identify who we are to be able to break this coarseness of the heart that we've been discussing. But let's talk about the flip side. I know we have a few minutes. Let's talk about the flip side, about the tzaddik. And I think that will help us put in perspective the, the bainini. Except in the case of tzaddikim in whom the contrary is true. Namely, that the pure soul, the divine soul, is the man while their body is called this is amazing. By a tzaddik, his body is called the flesh of man. So who is man? The godly soul. The godly soul has flesh. The flesh of man. The, by a bainani, the primary soul is the animalistic soul. By a tzaddik, soul, by a tzaddik the primary soul is the animalistic soul. And now we could understand a fascinating thing that Hillel, the elder, used to say. The famous Hillel. The same Hillel why we light eight candles. One each night. The same Hillel that was a man of peace. Some, and, uh, and there was some Arab man who came to harass him. Are you familiar with that story in the Talmud? Amazing stories about Hillel. What a man of peace and love he was. This, this Hillel, he used to go ahead and turn to his students when it was lunchtime, or whenever it was, and say... Give me a few moments. There's a poor man I need to take care of. He Referring gave, he gave to him the Hillel sandwich. He gave them. The, there you go. He gave. He gave them the Hillel sandwich. He used to literally say, "Let's see it inside." Compare the statement of Hillel the elder to his disciple. That was great to be, Who, when going to eat, used to say that he was going to perform an act of kindness to the lowly and pure to the lowly and poor creature, by which he meant his body, which he regarded as if it were foreign to him. Therefore, he used the expression that he was performing an act of kindness toward it and giving it food because he himself was nothing else but the divine soul. So by a tzaddik, which a tzaddik has gotten rid of the animalistic soul, not removed it, remember? We've learned he's actually turned the animalistic soul into a godly soul. So now his relationship to his body is secondary. I want to finish a few more lines and then and share one point that comes out from this. Since it alone animated his body and flesh, the, the godly soul is the soul that is animating the body, inasmuch as in the tzaddikim, the evil that was in the vital soul pervading his blood and flesh, had been transformed into good and absorbed into the very holiness of the divine soul. In short, what we're saying is, that by a tzaddik, he's taken his whole being and made it godly. And therefore, Hillel went ahead and said, oh, I need to go ahead and spend some time with this poor and lowly creature because his body was secondary. This is a very, very important idea 
in understanding a tzaddik. And this allows us to understand why we go pray, why we pray to a tzaddik even after he passes on. This is really the crux of the answer. Because the tzaddik was never truly physical, the death of a tzaddik doesn't affect him. Because a tzaddik, even in his lifetime, has made himself primarily a godly person, and his body is secondary, like Hill said, oh, I'm going to go and feed my body. So therefore, when a tzaddik passes away, in a sense, nothing has changed. The tzaddik is still here. What's not here? His body. But he, he was never his body. Let me quote. Chaye HaTzadik, the life of HaTzadik, Einam Chayim Bisarim are not physical, Ki'im Chayim Ruchnim. Rather, they are a spiritual, a spiritual life. And that is why there isn't a difference when HaTzadik is alive or, or not alive anymore. Very important point. Let's summarize and we'll take questions. In summary, we are on a mission. The mission is to know when my heart is clogged, what can I do to break that? and change it. In order to be able to address that, we need to know, who are you? And what we've established tonight is that the Bainani, I can only talk for myself, which I hope, I, I hope to, I dream of one day being a Bainani, but if that is our dream, to be a Bainani, we should know that our reality is that the native within us is the animalistic soul. And our godly soul is, comes second. That is a very important point. And next week we'll be able to understand how with this understanding that we naturally are the animalistic soul, we now can tell you how to fix your clogged up heart should you have that issue. Hopefully none of you have that issue. Are there any questions? So next week you're going to talk about how to splinter, how we splinter that. That, That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... <laughs> I'll bring a hammer. No, no. We'll practice on Svi. <laughs> God forbid. No, no. God forbid. Um, it's of course Judaism is a Judaism is a way is a loving life, and we never want to inflict. People in previous generations used to harm themselves. The Torah says, for example, you're not allowed to give yourself a cut. That is one of the reasons why tattoos are such a big deal. We don't own our body. We have to love our body. We have to love ourselves. We have to love each other. So thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Rabbi. Yes,